Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone, and thank you again for listening to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller, and we have the crew with us today. Um, I guess we'll go around, and I'm looking at Bruce first, so say good morning, Bruce. Good morning, everybody. Hope hope everybody's having a good November. <laughs> good morning. I'm in St. Joe. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm working out of Lake Providence today, and I hope nobody has un- unpacked their winter clothing yet because it's still hot around here. <laughs> well, um, I guess today's topic for our podcast is going to be uh, fall weed control. And we have invited Dr. Daniel Stevenson to come and talk about that topic. So, um, Dr. Stevenson, we've had you on before. And, um, of course, we actually, I, I was looking up this the other day when I was looking at our, I guess, our stats for our podcast. You are, your podcast last fall was our most played podcast that we've had yet. And I don't remember how many downloads we had, but you you had it by a long shot. So we're always excited when you come and talk. We uh we get a we get a good response whenever you're on. Be careful. Um, he may start wanting a fee. Hey. That's right. Well we don't have <laughs> yeah. that. So <laughs> yeah. no 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 fee required. If we if, if if this podcast can help some of our clientele, that's what it's all about. Right. Well, um, I'll, I guess we'll just let you get started. Um, anything that we, uh, I guess, need to be thinking about this time of year? Well, the, the rainfall that we received um, late last week into this past weekend um, really kicked things off, guys. Uh, I had fallen pretty well been silent for a good while, casual call, but come Monday morning, it just exploded. And this is from control in winter wheat, weed control in winter wheat, to, you know, ryegrass control predominantly and fallow ground. But even in the winter wheat, it's all about ryegrass. Um, what, and this was from calls up, you know, the Mare Rouge area all the way down, you know, through south of, south of Alexandria and then up to the northwest part of the state. So it's the, the entire state. And thing is, is wheat emerged and ryegrass emerged with it. And what do I do? So we'll we'll talk about wheat first, and we'll move into the fall wheat control. So one of the biggest things that when that our growers had to consider, the consultants who advised our growers going for winter wheat, was whether that variety was tolerant to metribuzin or not. The last time that the ag center have um, performed a Metribuzin screening on wheat was, I think, 2013, and that was predominantly because the number of wheat acres just were so low. Well, it's it's expanded, and the good news is, is uh, Steve Harrison has um, he asked us to, to Dr. Pageant and I to do another screening this year to Metribuzin, and we're going to do that. Except uh, instead of doing that tolerant, mildly tolerant, susceptible, mildly susceptible. I'm going to spray 10 ounces of 75DF metribuzin. So it's going to be a yes or no this year. So, but that information won't be available till next year. So what, when you guys talk to your clientele, anyone that are listening, 
you want to know whether your weed is tolerant to metribuzin, <clears throat> you need to ask your uh, your dealer whether it's Pioneer variety or AGS variety or whatever. Just ask the guys who sold it to you um, whether you are. And if you are tolerant to uh, to metribuzin and everybody needs to catch this and part and the wheat was drill seeded. You can use three ounces of metribuzin on three leaf wheat. And that is an outstanding way to kill small ryegrass. But here's the problem. Starting this past Monday, we had half inch right half inch wheat with half inch ryegrass. So product Zidua and Anthem Flex is the answer to apply when you have half inch tall wheat, 80% stand. You can apply um and I'm not gonna get into rates, so everybody can read the label. So uh and that get activated. Hopefully we'll catch a rain this next week and that'll stop any new emergence. Then you could follow it up with a metribuzin application of three leaf wheat and control it. Now, if your wheat is broadcast seeded, doesn't matter what variety you plant, you will get pretty significant injury from metribuzin, predominantly because when you broadcast seed wheat, you're going to have shallow roots to the top of that bed. And um, I remember when, when Bill Williams was with us, um, I don't know, close to 10 years ago now, he and I got called out to a field of wheat that was supposedly tolerant to metribuzin and sprayed metribuzin and just knocked the fire out of it. And it was broadcast wheat. And then we started seeing it again and again. And that's when, you know, he and I made the decision at the time that, we just we do not suggest the use of metribuzin on broadcast seeded wheat. So, if you have broadcast seeded wheat, or you have a variety that is not tolerant to metribuzin, Zidua and Anthem Flex are still your answer, regardless of the variety. Your next step with a variety that's not tolerant, and that may or may not be broadcast seeded, is PowerFlex HL at three leaf wheat it's the first time you can put it out at three leaf wheat but here's the problem it is an als inhibitor and if that ryegrass is tolerant to or resistant to als inhibitors you're not going to get control then you're in a pickle so the question is is do i have it or don't i have it daryl sanders for years and and dennis you and bruce probably can speak to this rl as well Daryl Sanders had told me when I first got here in the northern part of the state, they typically, the parishes would use chemical mowing. They'd spray like a product called oust, maybe some others to suppress the growth of weeds on the side of the road. And there's ryegrasses there. And that low dose essentially exacerbated or built resistance in that population. And then it began to move in from the roadsides. Is that still common? in the northern parishes to use chemical mowing? I think there is to some extent. I don't think it's as strong as it was back then. I, 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 would, I would agree with RL. I mean, you would see it. Um, it was a whole lot more prevalent back um, probably six, year, six, seven years ago because you'd see people, we'd get phone calls about people's yards would get burned up. After the the 
highway department would go by and spray a ditch bank or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's an that's an issue that we've seen in the past. There's a great picture that I have on somewhere on a phone or on it, it, it's of of where the the state or the parish had come in and sprayed right in front of Walmart here in Oak Grove, and the pigweeds are shooting through the right on the right on the edge of the road. And yes, and that was actually some of the first resistant pigweeds that I identified in the parish was in the Walmart parking lot. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so that that that's a positive the fact that we have not been not pigweeds but the fact that we have not been using the chemical mowing is the possibility that this these ryegrass populations have not experienced an ALS inhibitor because we don't use a product like lead off and that's that's two parts of, uh, of ALS inhibitors we don't rely on classic and a lot of the ALS inhibitors that are out there we're not using in corn we don't use necessarily a lot in beans now targeting ryegrass so the chances that these populations have seen <clears throat> enough of an ALS inhibitor to develop resistance or to continue the resistance is lessening and that's a, that that is a huge positive so therefore PowerFlex may very well be an answer for you. Um, so that's that's where I'm seeing guys right now. They, they need to be thinking three-leaf weed. If it was a half-inch to three-quarter inch tall on Monday, I'm figuring it's going to be the week after next is when it's going to be three-leaf, depending on these what these temperatures do. RL says it's not cold yet, but I think it's coming. Um, then, so the week after next, get ready to go across your field with a Metribuzin in a tolerant drill seeded wheat or PowerFlex in a broadcast drill seeded non tolerant variety. Um, but right now, if that airplane hadn't flown and put Zidua or Anthem Flex out, um, you're going to have a you're going to have a mess when it comes two weeks from now. It all came up at the same time just because of the way the weather was. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I actually, I've had some questions of guys wanting to use Axial or Axial Bold, which is predominantly a spring applied herbicide for management of, of ryegrass in our wheat. Go ahead and use it in, in the fall. And I've, I've really cautioned away from that because I want to save that tool for spring application and then on top of that i hear more more and more failures or lack of of satisfactory control with with axial and i'm trying to we are right now trying to wrap our head around just exactly what's going on in that situation so we we've got some good tools we don't have a lot of tools and we got to be very very timely um because any application of Zidua or, or Anthem Flex at this time is not going to control the emerge ryegrass. That's going to be in two weeks, whether we use Zidua or um, not Zidua, uh, PowerFlex or, or Metribuzin. Not good. Not good. No, it's it's not it's not Dennis, but um. Our guys can get across. I mean, and that's the good thing about a residual. I mean, you don't have to have 15 gallons of water. 
you can put it out with an airplane at three gallons of water, as long as it yeah. gets there and catches rain. So they can use airplanes to cover this ground if they so choose. Um, now stepping over into a fallow ground situation. Um, so we we still are following the program that Dr. Jason Bond and others in Mississippi State had developed about the use of a residual herbicide in the fall. Um, so uh, an, an esmetolachlor type product, uh, a premix of a boundary metribuzin, for example. Um, Command is another option, particularly if you're rolling into rice next uh, next spring, and also uh, a double tillage discara. Um, most people pretty much have their rows put up right now. They don't want to do something like that. So we're in a we're in a residual world, and they've got emerged ryegrass. What do they do if that ryegrass is just spiking? Um, Paraquat, which is what I'm going to be, to, you know, suggest for you to use to control it, is not going to do that well because there's not a lot of leaf area to contact. So you want to let that one leaf, that first leaf, kind of unfurl. And then this has got to be with the ground rig, guys, and it needs to be at a minimum of 15 gallons of water because contact is of extreme importance. Um, these cool temperatures we got coming our way are not going to help the paraquat. Paraquat likes it hot and high humidity. So think of what it looks like in August when you spray, um, when you desiccate in your <clears throat> August or September when you desiccate in your soybeans. You're not going to get that now. It's just not cool enough. It's always humid in Louisiana, um, but not to the extent that August and September are. But at least half a pound of a paraquat material. Um, there's two and three pounds out there, so that's why I'm talking in, in talking paraquat, not trade names. Then, uh, depending on your soil type, anywhere from a, a pint and a third to a pint and a half of, a, of an esmetolachlor or dual magnum or generic. If you're going into beans and you like the power of a metribuzin and uh, the esmetolachlor, Using those two together, it's like boundary is the original. So I would suggest about a quart of boundary, which is close to 20 ounces of a dual magnum and five and two thirds ounces of a metribuzin. Uh, seen some data that has shown that you could actually substitute a uh, flumioxacin, which is Viler and others at a two ounce rate mixed with the esmetolachlor rather than the metribuzin. And that works just as well from residual control of ryegrass because it's the esmetolachlor that's doing the heavy lifting there. Um, if you've got residual on hand, you could use the pyroxysulfone, a residual type product rather than esmetolachlor safely. They're, they're, they're still gonna offer you um, residual control of that ryegrass. So take mix those with a, a paraquat and um, the quicker you can get after it once you see a leaf, the better. For the sake of, of our listening audience, this is a rarity because you don't hear you don't hear me, RL or Dennis or Kylie jumping in. Um, that's mainly because if, if you were watching this live, you would see the four of us with <laughs> pins in hand. <laughs> 
taking <laughs> taking notes like we're trying to study for a final somewhere. Um, that's that's always the great thing about having talking to Daniel is that one reason we're, we're kind of we'll, I'll, let, I'll let the cat out of the bag a little bit. The reason we like to have Daniel on is so we can get our questions answered. That's right. <laughs> so, so we can take the notes. So when y'all call us and ask, hey, what do we need to do for you know for for this this ryegrass coming in with with our wheat? And we can we can all scroll back to our notes that we took during this podcast to to make us feel like we actually know something. So yeah, I, I'm always a phone call away from all you guys, you know. And it, you know, if all honest, if you ever couldn't get a hold of me, Doctor Donnie Miller, I mean, he can answer these questions too. He's an outstanding wheat scientist. So, um, Dan, you, you you touched on um, you know, uh, the topic that that I, that I near and dear to my heart is cover crops um you know kind of control um of you know of the weeds in cover crop i mean in in my neck of the woods you know the italian ryegrass uh seems to be the monster in the room and we've talked about it here today too um could you just give a brief shot of hey this this is this is kind of the 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 30,000 foot view of what you can do with cover crops to control Italian ryegrass, you know, a lot of people have it in their mind. Oh, if I've got Italian ryegrass, I got to go scorched earth. You know, I, I got to have a bare field out there. Um, I know you do some work in both both areas of weed control and, and a little bit on the, the cover crop side as far as, you know, helping out your your, your other researchers. Uh, could you give us like a, a you know, 30,000 foot view of that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can get a little closer than 30,000. Um, I'm I'm going to lean on some data that uh, when uh, Dr. Josh Copes, um, when he was with us there at St. Joe, which is a big loss for us when he decided to leave, by the way, but uh, he had the idea of of planting a cover crop, and then when could we go back in and spray, predominantly these Group 15 herbicides, so that the the S-metolachlors, the metolachlors, the pyroxysulfone, acetochlor, so warrant, dual magnum, zidua, to give you guys some examples of trade names, and there's lots of generics out there. I'm not promoting one of those in particular. But we also looked at uh, flumioxazin, which is Valor, um, lead-off, which is uh, rimsulfuron and thiophen, sprayed on uh, your tillage radish and Austrian winter pea and oats and cereal rye and what his data and i helped him do it a couple of years and donnie I'm, i know helped him up there as well what our data data showed was that a group 15 herbicide so we're just going to use dual magnum or esmetolachlor as our example but zidua works just as well pyroxysulfone two weeks after emergence of a cereal rye and i'm going to tell you why i like cereal rye in a minute um into a cereal rye but it could be a clover it could be a, an oat um tillage radish yeah but based off memory you can but what that does is that gives you that residual barrier underneath that plant and it's not going to hurt it's not going to hurt the plant it may wrinkle the leaves kind of like how it wrinkles soybean leaves when you put it out um, but it doesn't stop it from growing doesn't you know hurt it oh you know in the long run 
And then you had that residual barrier underneath that cover, and then that cover's growing. You're slowing down or stopping anything new from emerging, so you're getting the combination of two types of weed management. So cultural weed management, using the cover crop from a smothering standpoint. Because I tell guys, if you're going to use a cover crop for weed management, you got to think as if it's pine straw or mulch in a flower bed. Don't go out there and throw out 30, 40 pounds of a cover when you've got a bunch of bare areas. You end up with you know enough ground cover to satisfy the NRCS. I think it's 30% ground cover. You know, now that ain't that ain't where you need to be if you want to use a cover for a weed management type thing. So, um, which that has actually led to Dr. Miller and I putting in um, a couple of studies. We implemented them this year. He got his cover planted a week, two weeks ago, and I got mine in the ground last week. Looking at um, programs within a cereal rye cover crop for management of, of Italian ryegrass and other weeds as well. So we'll rate any other thing that comes up out there. And then another study where we're actually evaluating, you know, 40 or 80 pounds of cereal rye and then how all those are going to affect a cotton crop. Um, we're very thankful that the Louisiana um, Cotton Support Board is funding this workforce as well as Cotton Incorporated through some core funds. So, um we're, we're, we're digging into it a little bit deeper. So, yeah, co- cover crops are a good option. They, they're they more important, honestly, agronomically. And the reason is, is in Louisiana, we're so hot and warm. It's, they're, it's not like they're going to stay out there and give you a thick mat all summer long unless you are really having a high rate and you're rolling that cover crop, you're planting in the direction of the cover crop into – um, direction that is laid down um, into that stand, getting a stand. If you're using it that way, yes, you can expect. Data has shown, particularly out of Tennessee, Dr. Larry Steckel up there has really shown some pretty decent um, weed suppression. Still needs herbicides, residuals, and post-emergence with residuals to control weeds in the summer. But you're exactly right, Bruce. Um, there's a lot of advantages to, to cover crops, and cover crop research is cyclical. You know, it was really big in the 70s and it came back in the early 90s and it came back again and we're given the same answers. There's a lot of advantages. The biggest thing now is we've got guys using a lot of mixtures. And I want to take you back to cereal rye, why I prefer cereal rye. Um, This is not based off data. This is based off Daniel's experience. I grew up on on a peanut cotton and cattle farm in southeast Alabama. And whenever we would harvest the, the cotton and peanuts, my dad would plant a cover to graze cattle. So I've seen him plant weed. I've seen him do pasture weed. I've watched him plant oats. I've watched him plant cereal rye. And even with cattle grazing that, it was amazing the amount of biomass that cereal rye could produce. Almost to the point that if it was it was hard to manage like where I'm from, the kind of tillage practices we have to do um, make just you know, an enormous amount of biomass difficult to handle. But in Louisiana, it's something we can if you go into the season with that thought process, hip your beds, broadcast it or drill seed it, um, roll your top a little bit. So you got to plant, you know, the planter can sit on top of that raised bed. 
um, have your planter set up to to plant through it, uh, plant straight into it with a standing standing rye um, after it's been desiccated, and you can get a good stand of your your crop and get really good weed control. Um, another thought. And somebody, a farmer, told me he did this. And maybe one of you three guys or four, four of y'all can tell me who did this. Grower went in and he banded a herbicide right across the top of his bed. And he killed the cover on top of the bed. I mean, I'm talking like a six, eight-inch strip. Is Did one of you guys tell me about that? Or am I just, am I dreaming? You know, I, I was at a presentation and wasn't, wasn't there a, a, Oh gosh, I want to say it was might have been a guy out of Crowley that was doing something. Yeah. Oh, what? What? Well, but didn't Chad Morgan try some of that RL? Not that I can remember, Dennis. Uh, they're gonna try it on Somerset this year. But somebody and Bruce, I think you're right. The guy in Crowley or wherever the guy down there was trying something like that. Yeah. It it may have been Dr. Leonard that told me about that. You know, that he was going to try that. So uh, most likely he is because he's so smart. But I mean, that's. I know we've had a guy here in East Carroll that's planted in standing uh, cereal rye and, you know, and either burn it down prior to, or, or spray, you know, your desk on it prior to planting or shortly thereafter before it had a chance to germinate and, and been real successful with it. Yeah. Now, prior to coming to Louisiana, I was an agronomist up in the northeast part of Arkansas, and they have an area up there called Buffalo Island that's, uh, I mean, it's sand. Uh, I don't know if it's the exact sand like where I'm from in southern Alabama, but it's it's a lot coarser um, particle than virtually anything we have in Louisiana. And they'd have sandblasting, just horrible on you know, cotyledon to one leaf cotton they would go in and, and drill seed on a raised bed the shoulders and in the furrow but they would not drill on top of it so they'd have an eight inch pass on top of that row that would be bare all winter long they can go in and burn down um cereal rye wheat you know they and they'd let it be headed out so it was, it was tall and they'd plant that cotton right on top of that bed and on either side it was like it's planted amongst you know you're driving on one of those little roads in the middle and all the oak trees or pine trees are up beside you and everything's dark uh, but protected from sandblasting that's that's an outstanding thing to do the whole point is to combat italian ryegrass or henbit or shepherd's purse or swine crest you've got this cover out there physically competing for space and that's why I like cereal rye because that thing is aggressive and it'll grow and it'll put on some biomass. Well, Daniel, to 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 go down that road, I'm I'm a big fan of cereal rye for the biomass, but also for the root system it puts down. Um, mm-hmm. It will do a number on a hard pan, and some yep. you know people talk about tillage radishes, and I'm not I'm not down in tillage radishes at all. But if you want to see something crumble, I mean, you, you pull that root mass up where those tiny hair roots have gone down and just forced open, you know, that that um that pan. Um, it's I've seen some really again, that's just my observation, no, no research to back it. 
but I, I've seen some pans busted pretty pretty hard um, where we've had seal right now. I'll be honest with you, there's there's a, can be an issue with, with seal rye that I think it's overcomable, and that's that root. The same thing with the root. That root ball gets hung in a basket. <laughs> that means yeah. that far got to get out and knock that root ball out of that basket. But you know that's a small price to pay. I mean, just you know, yeah. knock the knock the root ball out and get back on track and go back to go back to working. But well, that that's where Bruce, if if the grower goes into in the fall, he plants his cover and rolls the top of the bed or has an implement that kind of gives you a flat top to that bed it's set up for you to do nothing but you know spray a herbicide to to terminate the cover and if you've got the kind of row cleaners that are set up to give you a good seed soil contact you can drop right in and plant particularly if it's drill seeded because mm-hmm. you're planting in parallel to the drill seed and if you don't have a drill right on top of the row, you've got that little gap. That may be something, you know, with auto steer, I mean, these guys can get sub-inch accuracy Right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, but don't leave your bed pointed with a top, with a, with a triangle top on it, and think you're going to come mm-hmm. in and drag that top off with cereal rye. You're going to have a damn mess. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing, too, and James Hendricks has done a bunch of stuff with mixes, I mean, even like if you wanted to add a mix just for a little diversity, James, you know, like cereal, uh, the radish, you're talking about the radish or rape or uh, hairy vetch, whatever. James saying, you know, you only plant like three pounds and that's, it's not thick, but it does give you enough scattered through the field to add some to it. Uh, and I think, I mean, my thought is that you plant and you, you plant something, a mix like that, wait you two weeks. And then spray your dual because I think it's your best option is a combination of the two, you know. Yeah, I can agree with that. That's now, true. you mentioned you mentioned rape, which is canola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't get um, the roundup ready. I'll tell you exactly. But <laughs> even even then, I had a grower last year who I think it was a maybe in a pasture weed or an oat clover rape combination mm-hmm. and uh he burned down and he called me and said um i didn't touch this rape and then he tried something else i didn't kill this rape and uh when he was shelling his corn he still had rape in the field mm-hmm. it can be sometimes it can be hard to kill so from my job is to advise people to kill things right Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're that's why i'm saying i don't suggest rape and i don't suggest pasture wheat because we can't always kill pasture wheat for some reason either and i have yet to figure that out when i put it in studies i kill it but they, and all you guys i think i've talked to uh, probably all four of you in the past you know guy broadcast pasture wheat and glyph it takes two or three applications of glyphosate mm-hmm. to kill it but cereal <laughs> rye i've yet to hear somebody tell me they can't kill cereal rye Still oh, easy. Wheat, wheat is, we tell people don't plant wheat. It's just, you, it's too variable and being just what you said. Sometimes you kill it, sometimes you can't. Yeah, and the, and then the, the parlance of the, 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 the redneck, you can open a jug of 
Roundup and just wave it at a field of seal rye and kill it. I mean, it, it's it's fairly easy to kill. And, I, and I, again, that's one reason I like it is that you can you can you can you can smack it pretty hard. Um, I think the one of the issues we've had killing wheat up here is our application timing. I mean, we can have a whole big discussion on application timing for wheat. You know, it's got to be actively growing. And in January, when these guys are trying to burn some of this stuff down. It's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be tough to, to, to kill. But I mean, you know, that's like, we could ha- have a g- long conversation on that. The, yeah, I, I put out a study last year looking at, at pasture wheat. One study was uh, a pound of glyphosate and the other study was uh, a quarter pound of a clethidium. And the timings were December 15th. Then January 1, 10, 20, and 30, and then February 15th. And do you guys remember how cold it got about December 18th or January 18th last yeah. year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Both of them, and I'm going to use trade names. It's easier. Select and round up. Both of them smoked December 15th. That was expected. The, 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 the um, wheat was small. Both of them smoked at January 1. Both of them did really well on it January 10, but come January 20, after 14 days, I had maybe 70% control with Roundup and about 20 with the select. And then that January 30, it was even worse. But then December, I mean, February 15th, when it warmed back up, I killed them both, even with size. So that shows you eventually the glyphosate did terminate the pasture wheat but it took about six weeks to do it it was really really slow the the, the clethodim never did i mean it made it, it it stunted it but it never took the green out of it so that shows you even these two products that are systemic if it's cold enough and the environment just like bruce said don't expect miracles sometimes it takes a long time for this stuff to die yeah i i, I, I. I sing that song a good bit. Um, what, one reason I, I brought up the cover crop, I mean, in the we, we need to start looking. I think, um, and then you may you may be able to talk more about this. I mean, I I, I see a a kind of a target plant painted on the Paraquat label in the in the future. Um, I I think folks need to start thinking now. Um, what can I do for that that spring pre-plant weed control? Um, because we may we may in the future lose that paraquat shot behind the planter. Um, and if we do, what can you know? I, I just encourage guys to start thinking now ahead. I'm not saying it's going to be this year or next year, but I, I personally think at some point um, there's a pretty good chance we're going to lose the paraquat label. So what can we plan for in the future? And I, that's that's where I bring up the, the cover cropping and and thinking thinking along those lines because um, guys, I, I my feel is that is that um they're coming they're coming for it one way or the other. Yeah. Um, so if we're if we're desiccating a a cover, uh, I'm and I know you know some people are moving toward planting green. I've yet to wrap my head around that just yet. And that's probably where you would be thinking of, of a paraquat. But if 
what I would like to see guys do, if they've got to cover regardless of the mixture and what you add to glyphosate, because it's still glyphosate for targeting the grass, a cereal that's our predominant um, cover mixed with some clovers or this or that. So if you've got a cereal rye clover mix out there, that's where glyphosate and a dicamba application come in and four to six weeks before you plant. We don't have to use Paraquat. Right. If you're talking, Bruce, about that, you, you know, you drug off your rows, you're burned down, you're getting ready to plant your crop, and you've got weeds that have emerged that you just need to fry some stuff when you say tank mixing, if you're hopefully using a residual herbicide behind the planter, um, what's going to replace Paraquat? Dr. Miller and I, and even others throughout the the mid-south and even over to the southeast are looking at a few things but what we're figuring out is that nothing's going to replace it right there is there's nothing in that and that's that's unfortunate um desiccation of soybeans is really more of a head scratcher than anything what are we right. going to do right me and dr miller um, have had i've had conversations about it and you know donnie's comment to me is don't know i mean we're, we're looking but we don't know yeah we're looking and, you know, there, there's there's a molecule or two out, out there that shows some promise, but I don't think either one of us are, are ready to uh, to step out there and say, hey, we found an, an alternative because I just I don't think there is an alternative. So if the EPA is listening to this, guys, the, the, the loss of Paraquat is going to be extremely detrimental to the growers of the state not just for desiccating soybeans but right. for just overall weed management mm-hmm. it's a valuable tool i mean it, yeah it, 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 and when used it. properly when used properly it is but when we put it out of an airplane they got winds 25 miles an hour <laughs> we're not helping ourselves at all no we're no. gonna have problems yeah not at all um yeah you know, I, I appreciate you spending time with us. I, Kylie, I don't know where we're at on time. Um, yeah, we're getting kind of long, so I guess I can go ahead and close. Do you, do you have a question? You well, can go I, ahead I, if you'd like. I, I wanted to let everybody know, we this past, was it last, I think it was last week, the county agents in Louisiana, we had our our um, uh, our, re- our recertification that we have to get recertified every year so we can do, or every three years, so we can do our, our training for recertification um, in the the winter the january to, to march um this will be the last year I, I may be getting way ahead of myself by saying that telling that putting this letting this cat out of the bag but guys this year the, the epa have, has changed it's not just this year it started a couple of years ago um the way we re- the amount of recertification material we're going to have to put out to our to our producers um is going to go up as far as the amount of time is i think it's going to take so enjoy this last year where we have our meetings and it takes about 90 minutes um and we can get y'all in and get you out um the the epa has has finally got some work with ldaf this is not ldaf's fault please don't think that um it's it's their rules so we're gonna this coming year the the year the 2024 um if you recertify in 2024 uh, just be patient with us because it, it may be, it may not be a 90 minute meeting. Um, 
and I think RL is smiling because he's thinking about retirement. And, <laughs> um, he actually made the comment, well, it's not going to be my problem. We're gone. Um, and, and I'll say this, you know, I got, I started drop this past week. So I may, I may be two years out, three years out from that myself, but in all seriousness, guys, be, be patient with us. Enjoy this last year of, of the 90 minute meeting. Um, cause we don't know what to expect in future, um, recertifications and for certifications, um, that kind of process is, is is kind of changing too um and to be honest with you after sitting through the meeting i, I still don't know what the process is going to be for certification for 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 pesticide private applicator um that's going to be an interesting to see how that kind of works out in the next six months or so um so i'll encourage everybody to practice pesticide safety and if you need if you need certification uh please get a, get in touch with your county agent, one of us or your county agent locally, and we'll figure out how to get you certified. And if you're up for recertification, you know, I send letters out, my, everybody else sends letters out. Yeah. So start thinking about that recertification that's coming up uh, starting in January. Um, I, I know Dennis probably already has his meeting planned. <laughs> you're always like right at right the first week or second week in January anyway, aren't you? Yes, I'm pretty close. I try and get it out of the way, you know. Yeah. And just be done with it, and 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 I'll and I'm gonna say this, Bruce. Everybody look on the back of your card. Right. Yeah. You know, go ahead and look on the back of your card, because every year we get somebody and uh, old call and say, "Well, I didn't know mine expired." And I said, "Well, you got a letter, you got a post office, you got an email." Oh, I didn't get any of those. <laughs> look at the back of your card. And I, I'll tell you. I'll say this, that brings up an interesting point. If you look on the back of your card and you're up for renewal in 2024 and you've got the time this 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 winter, 2023, it might be worth your while to check with your county agent. Say, hey, when your meeting's going to be and go recertify a year early and maybe put that off. That Because I'll be honest, I don't think any of us know how long the recertification meetings are going to be in the future. I mean, it's it's 11 topics and underneath those 11 topics, each one of them has got five or six points that we have to cover. And it, it's kind of daunting to think about what these meetings could turn into. Um, I, 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 I don't think it's going to be 90 minutes. I'll just yeah. I'll just be honest with you there. So, yeah, if you're up for recertification in, in 2024 and you got some time and can do it in 2023, might be worth looking into. Right. Well, um, Daniel, we, we really appreciate you joining us here today and getting that information out to our growers and, and just giving your point of view. I mean, it's I know that's something we all look forward to. Um, I'm going to close with we have a soybean production meeting coming up. Um, it's going to be December 8th at the Dell High Civic Center. Um, we're working out that schedule right now. And so check your emails and look for flyers and stuff like that. That should be coming out next week. And um, Daniel, if if you'd ever like to meet Daniel, he'll be he'll be a speaker at that meeting. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that we got you on the agenda. So, and then I know you'll be coming to some recertification meetings too throughout the season. And uh, so, if you have any questions for him, um, you can touch touch base with him there, or um, I know he'll answer the phone if you call him. So, but Daniel, we appreciate sleep. you being with us today, and um, 
anytime you'd like to be back, we'd love to have you. Yep. And I appreciate, I appreciate you guys. And I just want our growers to know that it's our purpose to help you guys in any way, shape or form we can make money. Cause if you ain't making money, we ain't needed. So uh, right, I exactly appreciate right. all the growers mm-hmm. in the state. Right. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. All right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.